0: The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at org. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. What a perfect song to lead into what we're uh, studying today. And if you've been studying it all week, you were excited to sing that song with me because it's just going to be such a glorious day. And that day is the day that uh, Christ returns and appears and... and uh, it's just going to be such an amazing day that we should live each day in light of that. And that's what John is saying today, that the way or the, the reality of the future should, uh, should affect the way that we live today. It should be that real uh, to us. Um, John's been laying before us three tests to help us know for certain that we're authentic, that we're not just phonies and that we're not hypocrites, but that we are the genuine article, uh, genuinely saved, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And so, how do you know that you know? John's given us three tests. First of all, he said the moral test. Uh, the moral test is the test of righteousness, obedience, the, mor- the moral behavior that should flow out of uh, a relationship with Christ. Um, and I like to use the word growing. Are you growing in righteousness? Are you growing in holiness in your life? If so, that should, should lend itself, that should be a sign to say, hey, yeah, I, that's a sign that I'm on the right track with the Lord. Also, we see the, uh, the social test. That's love, brotherly love. Are you growing in love with others? Do you see the love of God springing forth within you for others, others within the church, others outside the church? That is evidence that you have experienced the love of Christ, and it's produced by the Spirit of God, the love of God flowing out of you to others. If you see that, that's a sign and that's an indication that you are authentic, that you are genuinely in Christ. And then finally, we see the doctrinal test. And that's the, the teachings about Christ. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the only way to be made right with God? That his, He is the God-man who took on flesh, died on the cross to take the penalty that you deserve and that I deserve for sin. He was buried, He rose again, ascended to heaven at the right hand of the Father, and He will return again to gather His children and to judge His enemies. And so what we see is these are indications that we are authentic, that we are in Christ. And today, John elaborates more on this moral test, on this idea of living out the righteousness that you have if you're in Christ. And so he's going to do this, continuing to call us to say how you live matters. You can't just say, hey, I'm in Christ. I've got grace. I'll live how I want to live. He'll say, no, no. That's not consistent with those who have truly experienced the grace of God because how you live reflects more than what you say. And that's what John's been saying over and you want to know if you're truly a believer, it's more about how you live than what you say. Look at your life. Is it consistent with your confession? And so today, he says, to help you live a life of righteousness, to help you live a life of moral, holy, faithfulness, and righteousness in God, remember the nearness of the approaching of Christ. So let me ask you something. Do you believe Jesus is coming back? Okay, so on a scale of 1 to 10, and if y'all go really high, I'm going to feel guilty, and I'm going to preach this sermon to me, because y'all don't need it scale of 1 to 10, how much does that idea that he's coming back, how much does that really affect the way you live each day? 1 being, nah, not so much. 10 being, I'm like looking around every corner waiting for him to show up. So so 1 to 10, you don't have to say it out loud, but I mean I would guess that if you're like me, it's way down there. Except for when I'm reading these passages and studying them and preparing for a sermon. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, this is unbelievably awesome. And so what John does today is to say, hey, listen, one of the keys to knowing that you're the real deal, one of the keys that you're authentic is that you live a holy, righteous lifestyle. To help you do that, I want to think about the appearing of Christ. This week, he's going to talk about the fact that he's coming again. Next week, he's going to talk about the fact that he already came. And so today, we're going to get both accountability and encouragement from the nearness of the very real return of the physical return of Jesus Christ. So let me ask the Lord to help us this morning. Father, we ask for your help because uh, without you, without your spirit moving through the the word of God and taking the word of God, your word and applying it in our hearts, uh, there just will be no power and no effect and no transformation and no glory to you, Lord. I pray, Lord, that your spirit will move this morning, that you will give us faith to believe The nearness and the reality of the physical return of Jesus Christ, and that it will affect the way we live today. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So, John's going to do two things. One, he's going to give us, use the return of Christ to give us accountability, to hold us accountable to live holy, righteous lives. And secondly, he's going to give us encouragement by giving us hope that will encourage us to live lives of holiness. First of all, the accountability. This is in verses 28 through the first verse of chapter 3. Here's what John says. He says, Now little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous... You know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of Him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God. And we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know Him. So we'll stop there. In these verses, John is using the certain reality of the return of Christ... To give us accountability to say, live righteous lives now. Because Christ is coming. And John says, the reason why you should live that way is so that when he comes, when he walks in that room, when he appears to us face to face, I don't want you to shrink away. I want you to have great confidence. I want you to have great joy and confidence of the arrival for your great glorious day of inheritance. So let's start by looking at this idea of abide. John says, now little children, abide in him. I want you to abide in him. What does that mean? We've talked about it week in and week out, but it bears repeating and explaining that abiding is this idea of remaining, continuing in a loving, trusting, obedient relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke about it in terms of obedience, even in John chapter 15. He said, just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you, my disciples, he would say. Abide in my love. If you keep my commands, see the commandment abiding connection, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as the Father, just as I have kept my father's commands and abide in His love. So, so Jesus says that abiding with Him is connected to obeying Him. And we've talked about to know God. John's all about, do you really know him?" And he says, "Well, how do you know if you know him?" He says, "Well, look at your life. What do you mean? How how would my life demonstrate that I know him? He says, well, if you know him, you love him. If you love him, you trust him. If you trust him, you obey him. So if you want to know if you know him, do you obey him? And so obeying, abiding, trusting, loving is, is what he's saying. He's saying, listen, I want you to abide in an intimate, loving, trusting, obeying relationship with Jesus Christ so that when Jesus shows up, That will be a day of confidence and not a day of shrinking away from him. So what does John mean confidence instead of shrinking away? Well, in verse 29, we start to see him explain his logic. He says, look, I know, or if you know, in verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, and you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Let's make two points here. First of all, we see John's explaining what he means when he says, abide in Christ, abide in Him, is to trust and obey Him. But then he also says the second point about it is that you are born of Him. You have assurance that you're born of Him if you are walking in His holiness, practicing His righteousness. And this is a new term for John. This is the first time John starts to speak of being born of Him. In John chapter 3... Jesus sees Nicodemus come to him and he says, hey, hey, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is just like us going, wait, do what now? Born again. I can't go into my mother's room and be born again. And Jesus says, no, you must be born of the spirit. We're born of the flesh once, but we must then be born of the spirit. And in John chapter 3 verse 9, next week we're going to see that John talks about the the seed of God is in believers. This is the idea of being born of the seed of God that it mixed with faith. The Spirit of God produces new life. Life is born so that we are no longer Only born in the flesh, but we are born in the spirit so that we are no longer of this world. We are chosen out of this world. And so there is a new spiritual life that takes place. And this is what John says. This is how I want to help you capture the essence of what it means to be a Christian. It means partaking of the divine nature of God. The seed of God produces new life that did not exist before. And that new life is the, the very nature of God implanted in you, who was merely born of the flesh at one time. He says, this is what it means to be, to be a child of God. This is what it takes to be confident on the day that Jesus comes back to get his kids. He says, listen, I want you to know that you're his kid. I want you to know that you're his child. Jesus isn't going to come back and say, how much religion did you do? He's not going to come back and say, how much doctrine, how precise were you in your doctrine? All those things are great that the children of God do, but he's going to say, I've come to get my kids. And then he connects us to our ethical behavior. He says, so, are you the kid? Are you a child of God? How do you know? Are you living like one? See, just when we participate in the nature of our parents, we reflect the character of our parents. And he is saying if you've participated in the nature of God, righteousness, then you will reflect it in your character. Your character will be righteousness. Your life will be ethical, moral, integrity, honesty. You will reflect the perfections of God. And he says those who live this way have assurance that they are a child of God. In verse 1, John says, see how great the love of the Father has. Here he is, he's overflowing with love. He's 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 just he's just worshiping God here. He's like, Oh my gosh, this love is crazy. When you meditate on what God has done, you just can't help but say, Worship God. See how great is the phrase that says this is from another country, this is otherworldly, this is crazy, this is different. He says the other great love, this otherworldly love of God has been bestowed upon us. It has been lavished upon us. What did he do? What's so great about it? What did he do that was so loving? He called us his children. But he didn't just call us kids. We are his kids. He doesn't just say you're, you're divine. We are divine. We are saints. The reality is that if you are in Christ You have participated in the divine nature of God. You share in God's divine nature. He's implanted it inside of you. That has to show up in your life. It always, without exception, shows up in a life. You can't have God in you and it not come out. And so he says... I want you to live righteously now so that when Jesus comes to get his family, it's an awesome day of celebration like we were just singing. It's an awesome day of jubilation. This term, the appearing, is a term used of of the arrival of the king. The, The best picture I can tell you that I've seen on earth in our lifetime was when Pope Francis came and the Catholic Church was unbelievably excited to see him arrive. Can you imagine when God shows up, his children, worshiping, clamoring, stumbling, doing whatever it takes to glorify their king and to worship him and celebrate him? It's a glorious picture, a glorious day. We are God's children. We're not just called children of God. We are made Children of God. This is crazy love. This is crazy otherworldly God lavishing His love on undeserved sinners to, to implant within them upon faith in Christ, to plant His own divine nature inside them, declaring them righteous, making them His children so that they can confidently look forward to His glorious return. But not everyone will look forward to that day. Some will shrink away. In Revelation 6.15, we see a description of, of unbelievers shrinking away at the appearance of the Lord. John writes and he describes the Lord's appearance and then he says, and then the kings of the earth, men of great power, the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong, And every slave and free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of him who sits on the throne. And from the wrath of the Lamb for the great day of their Lord has come. And who is able to stand? For those who aren't his children, it is a fearful day of judgment. It is a day of shrinking away in fear, begging that the rocks would just fall on them and put them out of their misery. John says, I don't want that for you. I don't want anyone to face that. Do you realize that you really, seriously, not theoretically, you will face that day? And it will either be a day of confident leaping into the arms of your Savior or it will be a terrible, fearful day of judgment. The way you live right now should tell you and inform you on what you think is going to happen on that day for you. It's not about pointing to the church roll. It's not about pointing to the offering plate. It's about, have you had the divine seed, the Spirit of God, radically implanted in your heart that has changed your nature? I don't care how long you've been in church. It's about being born again. How do you spend your money? Do you view money as just like the rest of the world? It's my money. I worked hard. I made it. I spend it on what I want to spend it on. I'll make, I'll make a living for myself. I'll buy lots of nice things. I'll secure my retirement. I'll leave enough for my grandkids to help them get a start. Where's God in that? Is that what someone with a divine nature... Of God who says, wait a minute, maybe I should help someone adopt. Maybe God has chosen to give me great blessing, great reward to help this family adopt a child who doesn't have a family. Maybe I should use it to to reward others and to bless others, certainly take care of my family. But what you do with your money reflects very practically if you're born again. How do you treat your employees? Are they just profit centers? Are they just people that produce something so that you can make money off their backs? How do you look at your patients? Let's just get through this. I got somewhere to go. I got a golf game. Let's just get as many people as we can. I got to build it and make it more. Or do we look at them as people? People that God has brought into your life to infect them with God that he has planted in you. Has he, have you found that you view your, the people in your life different? Are, they, are your employees people that you should be loyal to and treat with dignity and respect and, and seek to help them build a future for their families and provide for their families? Or is it just what you get out of them? You look at your students, teachers, and say, these are just kids and I just want to get to them today. Or do you see God has entrusted these young minds and hearts to your care and you have a way to bless them and shape them for the future? Parents, do you view your kids as a tremendous blessing for you to shape their lives, to know the Lord, and to live for His glory? How you live right now reflects what that day is going to be like. God wants you to live right now in such a way that when you face that day, it will be a day of confidence and not a day of shrinking away. Our second point is related, but we, we still have it related to the appearing of Christ, but now we see the encouragement or the hope that we have in verses 2 and 3. Look what he says in verse 2 and 3. He says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is, and everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself just as He is pure. So in these verses, John says that everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Or to put another way, everyone who has this hope of this future day will remain in him, will abide in him, will obey him, will live righteously, will live in his purity. And so so what does he mean about this hope being fixed on him? Hope is not a wish. Like, I hope I have dessert tonight. Hope is a confident assurance based on the rock-solid promises of God. As in, I have not lost confidence, I have hope. And so he says, the one who has his hope, confident assurance fixed on him and that day will live today righteously, will abide in him will obey Him, will purify Himself just as He is pure. Notice the tenses of the verbs. He says now, in verse 2, now we are children of God. That's what you are now. That's what, that's what we see in the text. Is it's not some future day you'll be a child of God? He says, no, if you're in Christ, you already are a child of God John 3, 9, the seed of God has been implanted in you. You bear the seed of God. You have been born again. In Romans, we saw where he says, you have been justified. You've been declared righteous based on the work of Christ. It's already finished. It's already done. Romans 8, 1, therefore, there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ. Already, you have been justified. We already now are children of God. We already are born again by faith in Christ. Now we are children of God. However, it has not yet appeared what we will be. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's what he's saying. We understand that, right? You had not seen anything yet. First Corinthians 2, 9, Paul says, Things which I have seen not, ear has not heard and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even imagine what that day is going to be like when he shows up for his people. John says, he doesn't even fully understand all that awaits us, but we do know this, we will one day be like him. We'll be just like him. He's glorious. In John 17, we see this awesome prayer. Go read John 17. It's, it's getting to sit at the feet and listen to Jesus praying out loud to the Father. And He's praying about us. Jesus and the Father, He says, we, in glo- we enjoy the glory of God together eternally. And when Jesus then descended and incarnated into the flesh, here's what happens to me when I read John 17. It just like spans my perspective to realize from eternity's past, To eternities forever in the future. Is God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit has existed eternally in glory. We can't even fathom the glory that we're talking about here. And then there's this little blip of time. Glory was enfleshed. God took on flesh so that we could see it and behold it and touch it and feel it and hear it and record it. And listen to the message on how to participate in the divine nature. And so Jesus made that way possible. One man, one way to God. And he said, it is through me and my blood shed on the cross to pay for your sins. And when we embrace that truth and we embrace the man and God of that truth, we participate in the divine nature and it will be a blink of an eye and we will be caught up with him in heaven for all of eternity. And what you're experiencing right now is nothing. Nothing compared to eternity. And he says, I am in heaven, ascended to the heaven to the right hand of the Father, and I'm interceding on your behalf, keeping you, preserving you until that day when he comes back. In Romans 9, Paul says, God predestined believers to become conformed to the image of his Son. He predestined that we will become glorious. In Philippians 3.20, Paul says, Our citizenship now is already in heaven, from which we eagerly await for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do what? Transform this wretched body. Praise the Lord. He will transform our bodies By the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. We will get new bodies that will be perfectly glorious bodies. There will be no back pain. There will be no neck pain. There will be no sitting at the computer and getting knots in your shoulders. You will have a glorious, perfect body. There will be no disease, there will be no cancer, there will be no heart disease, there will be no diabetes, there will be no need for medicine. Your body will be perfect. Colossians 3, 4, Paul says, when Christ, who is our life, he is the very life that we have. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed With him in glory. On that day, that glorious day where Christ returns and he is revealed in all his glory. So will we as his children. His children will be raptured and caught up with him. And it will be a glorious day of transformation. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled faces, Jesus will not have a veil on His face covering His glory. We will not have a veil on our face to behold His glory. We with all unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory on that glorious day. It'll be the final culmination of being daily transformed bit by bit from glory to glory as we read the scriptures and we ask God to open our eyes and our hearts to see and behold the glory of God in the scriptures as we sing and worship and ask God to behold the glory of God in our minds and hearts as we see and behold and taste the glory of God bit by bit in this life we are transformed bit by bit into reflections of his glory like a mirror held before the glory of God to the extent we behold the glory of God we reflect the glory of God in our lives and it gradually builds and builds until that day that Christ returns and there's no inhibitions there's no sin holding us back we will not see him with eyes of faith, we will see him with these eyes. We will see him with new eyes to appreciate things we never have seen before. And we will see glory. And because we see him, we will know him and we will love him and we will trust him and we will obey him. And so we will perfectly reflect his glory. What a glorious day. And it's promised in the scriptures to his children. Do you promise things to your kids and lie to them? If they say, give me the bread, will you give them a steak? Absolutely not. Your heavenly father who loves you way more than we as wicked dads love our kids. He says, I promise you this is your future. This is your glory. This is your inheritance. Do we believe it? Then we must live it. Right now, to the extent that we know that is our hope, that is our certain future, we will live today with a little glory at a time. John says, I want this certainty to be your bedrock hope. I want this to anchor your soul so that when you wake up each day and you think to yourself, am I making any progress? Can anything good happen in my life? Can I do anything good? When you just want to give up, when you wonder if you're even making progress, if you find joy in the hope. Of Christ's return, let it anchor your soul. Live another day. Fight another day. Eradicate that wretched sin another day. Jesus is coming to get his kids, and he's going to finish the process. Jesus is coming back, it's real. It's certain. And when he does, he'll do two things. He'll separate his children from his enemies. His children who've been born again, who he knows. His children who've lived a life that has reflected to their own selves, that's my dad. And for them... Glory, 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 glory. To his enemies, whether they are outright, I don't worship Jesus. Or to those who have been playing games and name only their Christians. Matthew twenty-five thirty tells us that he will cast them into outer darkness where men will weep and gnash their teeth. look at your life today and decide which one is your future. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, we praise you. That we are now, by faith in Christ, children of God. And that's a reality that is hard to see and understand. But we thank you that you have promised to make your children more glorious each day. Lord, I pray this morning that we will all take an honest look at ourselves, at our lives, not at what we say, but at what we do. And for those who see evidence of holiness, of righteousness, of purity, of honesty, of integrity, of using your resources for your glory and not for their own, may they be strongly encouraged To say, yeah, this is real in me. God has implanted his seed in my heart. And he is making a difference in my life. I so look forward to the day that Jesus comes to get me. And we can look forward to a day that you finish perfecting us. Where we finally see you. We look in your face. And we see you with unveiled faces. And we reflect your great glory. But for those of us who do not see genuine righteousness of God pouring out of our lives, a genuine participation in the divine nature, those of us who know we're phonies, may we understand the real, certain return draws nigh. And it will be a terrible day. And may it lead us to repentance. And to cry for mercy. And to throw ourselves on the cross where Jesus died to give us forgiveness. And make us your children. Lord, don't let anybody leave here without trusting you as Savior. So that all of us, when we sing this next song, will sing of the great, glorious beauty and majesty of Jesus Christ. And it's to his glory we sing. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church, located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.